finish his car already. 15 minutes. So you've been on on this call for about five of that. We can't, we can't yeah. go. <laughs> Just necking him. It's lovely stuff. <laughs> That's why you bought six. <laughs> to cage fighting it's andy gillard here hope everyone is safe out there in the world hi everyone matt guy here how are we all doing welcome one and all it's Stu here gentlemen how are we all doing this week have we got over the the fun of last week with the valley girl and grand oil <laughs> you can i can never get Gra- <laughs> valley girl out my head have it's you watched it's... it again yet Stu? not quite uh, I've, I've suggested it to a few people They've all said now. <laughs> I will I'll, we'll watch it again by the end of the year. Absolutely guaranteed. Oh, my Lord. Never mind. So, <laughs> it's been a week. <laughs> uh, but, obviously, we're back once again. It's the question cast this time round. Um, so, in question cast style, let's get the business out of the way. Make sure you're subscribed on your podcatcher. Follow us on Twitter at CageFightingPod. Email us with any questions or if you've got any answers to the questions we've asked to cagefightingpod at gmail.com. And if you could leave us a review, that would be fantastic. So a bit of film news this week, gentlemen. Uh, Nev Campbell is returning to the Scream franchise. I thought that they probably would have killed this franchise off before now. Um, I mean, the fourth one was perfectly fine. Does it need a fifth one, Matt? Uh, I'm not sure it does. Is this is this not the show? Is she appeared in the show, or is this is this the actual film? This is an actual be? film, uh, Scream mm. Five, and obviously it'll be a different director because uh, Wes is sadly no longer with us, is he? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm I'm not sure it does. I mean, it's flogging a dead horse at this point. I mean, it, with these things, it's a case of with every iteration it just gets that little bit sadder because of how good the original source material was mm. um like case in point the saw films for me god <gasps> i love the first few saw films but then oh, as it on. got on they were they were just they just they were abysmal towards the end pulling teeth aren't they i mean to be fair i wasn't uh, a fan yeah. of the second one but yeah literally <laughs> i mean i haven't seen jigsaw though um so i'm hoping Stu, have you seen jigsaw is it any good yeah, it's better than it's better than the two before it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I, I suppose it... it benefits from having a slight gap from the previous set of films. Mm. Yeah, so Saw Three D was the worst one, whichever oh, yeah. one that was. That was a shocker. That had that had Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park in, didn't it? I'm sure it did. Oh god, he, he, he was is... in one of them. I can't remember which yeah. one. But uh, a long answer to a short question. Yeah, I think the. Um, I think that the interest in, in that franchise is, is peaks now, I think. I'm just looking at the, the cast. So at the minute, it looks like Nev Campbell's back, Courtney Cox is back, David Arquette's back. And then I think they're the only ones who even survived the original trilogies, let alone the fourth film. It never quite kicked on for Nev Campbell, did it, Stu? I mean, she was she was poised to be the next big breakout and uh, we... I don't think we've seen much of it outside of Wild Things and oh. the Scream franchise, have we? <laughs> I was just going to say, what 
that pause button got an absolute battering of a wild things. <laughs> back in I the don't day. know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but is it Nev or is it Neve? So this is Nev. A... It's spelt Neve. Yeah. But I, I remember reading an interview with her in FA Champ way, way back where she said it was Nev. Like Nev, like short for Neville, which maybe they're big fans of Gary and Phil in the United States. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, she, she grew up with posters of Neville Southall on a wall. Yeah, could be, could be. But no, she. I'm sure I've seen her. In, I guess her in like a few things over the last few years, and she's always been. Whenever she's done things, she's been all right. But it's just mm. one of them. It seems like. Did she go away for a while to be a mom or something like that? Because that, that's what a lot of the, a lot of them around that time kind of did. But if it was enforced or not. Yeah. But with them, have you seen this the Scream series? Either I've seen the first season. And I gave the first episode of the second season a go, and she couldn't be asked in the end. <laughs> yeah, because it was it wrapped up it wrapped up with a Halloween special, when they didn't tell anyone. So unless you were in like the EP guides and IMDb world, you wouldn't even know it was coming because it wasn't even trailed. So you think, mm. well, okay, well, that's the end of the series, <laughs> which was all a bit odd. But mm. she was in she was in House of Cards. She was in the, she was excellent in House of Cards. Oh, okay. Right, and obviously playing a, a very serious role as well in that. Um, but yeah, I, it depends. Is it, this going to be a continuation on? Is it going to be Scream Five, or is it going to be a real, true Scream Two, or one of them kind of things? How are they going? How are they pitching it? Because mm. if it's if it's a, a true, re, it's a true sequel to the original film, like the new Robocop, then maybe that's got some legs, but. Otherwise, if it's just a passing a baton kind of thing to the next generation, I don't see the point. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that's what the fourth one was going to be, and it didn't quite play out, but never mind. Uh, in other news, Wonder Woman appears to have been pushed back to a Christmas Day release. It's going to be the week after June is released. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the 8-bit game based on the film, is finally getting re-released after all these years, and I am so excited. And we've actually got a little bit of Nick news as well. So the Tiger King has been picked up by Amazon, surprisingly. I would have thought that Netflix would have been in there to get uh, Cage's um, Tiger King production. But no, it's going to Amazon Prime. I hope they make a better fist of launching it than they have done with The Boys Season 2. So that's all the news for this week. Matt, what have we had from the listeners? Yeah, we've had a few uh, interesting questions um, and some debutantes on the questions as well. But we're going to start with an, a stalwart of ours so far. Quick fire questions for you guys. Uh, favourite movie soundtrack from Todd DeWitt. So, uh, Stu, favourite movie soundtrack, please. I'm sure I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Um, the Full Monty. Yes. Yeah, classic. Classic. I like it. Um, what about you, Andy? I mean, it's got to be Scott Pilgrim, hasn't it? I mean, I, I love the, uh, the 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 music they wrote for the film and the album that they released for the film as well. It's just brilliant. So the official soundtrack and the the music from brilliant, and also Baby Driver, some absolute classics on there. It's just an mm. absolute banger of an album. Edgar Wright's just got an ear for music, I think, when it's uh, when when it comes to marrying up that with the the moving pictures. Yeah, look, we we said that before about um, the Guardian soundtrack, didn't we? A few weeks yes, ago. Yes, we mm. did. Yeah, 
And obviously, yeah. the obviously the real answer now is the Valley Girl soundtrack. Obviously, oh, obviously, of course. <laughs> With hindsight, oh. Um, Todd also wants to know, and I know that Andy's got an answer for this. Um, but so, uh, Andy, you tell me your worst experience at a movie theatre. <laughs> um, when I went to see Little Women earlier this year. I think it was the first film I saw this year, actually. Uh, a woman came in with a baby and sat directly behind me. And the little fucker cried like three times. <laughs> I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I cried once because it is really sad. But I'm allowed to and I didn't disturb anybody. So it was awful. And last year when I went to see It Chapter 2, um, there was a fight in the cinema. But it was on oh, the other really? side. And these people just kicked off at each other. I don't know what was going on. All I heard was, you fucking what? Come on, then. And then just all the security piled in. I was like, shut the oh fuck up. God. I'm trying to watch a film. Stu, have you had any horror stories in uh, in a cinema? It's almost like he channels them all towards himself because I very rarely have anything like that. I mean, obviously the people it, eating. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people eating and stuff like they're allowed to. That ain't a problem, obviously. Um, but the only one I can think of is when... And that's only happened once as well when the, the screens broke halfway through the film. Really? And that was for um, Bean <laughs> all, the, all, them year, all, all them years ago. So we had to, uh, it was almost like an intermission in the Bean, the uh, great, was it great Disaster Movie or something the like that. The Ultimate Disaster Movie. Yeah. So halfway through that, it was um, a refreshment break before they could fix the uh, screen. So we watched the second half. But that's the only one. And that's what back in 96, 97, something like that. Mm. I had that when I went to see. Um, Harold and Kumar. For some reason, it just cut off halfway through. They managed to get it back on like pretty quickly, but yeah, I had a, a malfunctioning screen as well. I reckon that was more tactical, knowing the clientele watching the film, give them an opportunity to go out and buy some more refreshments. Quite possibly. Midway yeah. through. Yeah, no, that is an True. underrated trilogy. Harold and Kumar, fantastic trilogy. Uh, David Evans of uh, a Daft Question podcast. Check them out as well. He is giving more of a statement, really. But then I want to um, ask you, Andy, I'm going to go for here because I'm not sure Stu is as diehard as me and Andy on this on, on the subject matter. OK, so he wants a picture wrestling film, basically. Um, David Evans's wrestling film would be follows a diehard wrestling fan who makes it to the top of WWE after years in the indies, becomes the main champion. Months later, loses the belt in a storyline, becomes a forgotten mid-carder, finds it hard to adjust to the lack of limelight. The film follows how they find it hard to separate real world and the character world of wrestling. Both worlds start to merge in their mind as they become their character. So it's a little bit of kind of Birdman about it, I guess, mm. um, in David's um, wrestling film that he wants. But what, what kind of wrestling film would you like to see? Well, I... I'd quite like a real life story, something like the Eddie Guerrero story. It's a tale of somebody who almost made it and then was sacked because of reasons, becomes addicted to pills, struggles, and then gets the redemption arc and coming back and obviously making it to to headline the the show of shows. Was it WrestleMania 20, was it? The, the one where yes, he was, won yeah, him, yeah. him and Benoit? Um, I think that would be a really good story. Uh-huh. I'd probably want to end it at that WrestleMania moment rather than go on and have his untimely death. But I think I'd want a, a redemptive story arc uh, of an Eddie Guerrero style person. That'd be amazing, to be fair. I'm, I'm amazed that once the um, once the Hulk Hogan film comes out, depending on the success of that, 
I think um, we might see more of in that genre if if, if it has legs. Mm. I've she... seen that WWE studios who do make some films mostly bad, they have got a lineup of a load of documentaries that they want to point put out for Roddy Piper, Hogan. Mm-hmm. They've already done one for Andre the Giant. So yeah, I could very much see them branching off into to doing these biopics. Yeah, I've seen the Andre the Giant one. That's really good. It's HBO picked it up, I think, and marketed mm. it massively. I, I, yeah, I, um, I need to get around to watching that. I've criminally missed that one. Yeah, and the there's one. You know the guys who did um, Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. Before they did that series, they did a documentary film on Bruiser Brody. Um, oh, it's okay. a two-hour documentary. It's fantastic. It's I love that episode on Bruiser Brody as well. Yeah, um, yeah it was yeah. amazing. Excellent. Um, so we've got two questions from debutant to the podcast, Ricky Tonks. Um, Stu, the last great films to be released on VHS. Oh, um, I know one because I had it before I upgraded to DVD, so The Matrix. Okay. In wow. 2000. Wonder... It was very late. Yeah, that is late. Very late. But then, I... actually, well... PS2 didn't come out until 2000, so that was at like the start of DVD for most people. Uh. So I think the last actual v- VHS I had was um, Bottom Live 3. <laughs> Fantastic. H- Hooligans Island, whichever one that yeah. was. That was the yeah. last VHS I bought. So The last I bought, it was, I think it was, it might still have been our price at this point rather than Virgin. And I bought three and it was A Life Less Ordinary with Cameron Diaz and um, Hugh McGregor. Brilliant film. Shooting Fish, which was like a <laughs> in- British indie comedy. It was all right. And it was a Nick Cage film, Bringing Out the Dead. I bought those three with the, the last three VHSs I oh, ever man. bought. I've got um, the original Star Wars trilogy, gold edition VHSs up in the loft. Nice. Yeah, I remember buying them individually from Beatties over about three years and just thinking, like, these are going to be worth loads of money when I'm on. Blatantly won't be. And I'll never forget, I was at a car boot sale in Newquay once and I bought um, Pulp Fiction on video. Go back to the caravan, my mate's with us, who's come on and like at the family holiday, but my mate's come along. I was like, you need to see this film, you need to see this film, it's amazing. Put the film in and, of course, it's the scene with, with the gimp and the raping <laughs> and my friend's like oh it's one of these films is it i was like no it's really not it's really not one of those films trust me this film's amazing but you know you only get one chance to make a first impression don't you that's uh, so bad. Um, the days of rewinding well exactly and last question another one from ricky tonks for both of you really ants or bugs life and why oh which one's which? Uh, is Ants the one with Sylvester Stallone and yes, Woody so. Allen? And Bugs Life is the one that gets featured in Toy Story. Yeah. In that the outtake in Toy Story 2. Yeah. Yes. Correct. I will go for that just because of the Toy Story link. I don't particularly remember either film being standout for me. So the Toy Story link will put a Bugs Life ahead for me. And the Bugs Life game was all right as well on PS1 back in the day. Um, I watched the Bugs Life not that long ago, and it's not as good as I remember. Mm. So, I want to go for Ants on the rate on that reason that I haven't seen Ants for a while. <laughs> but I, I was really because I really remember loving the Bugs Life. I don't know if it I mean what was it ninety seven ninety eight. So I would have been 
about 12, 13. So on on that kind of peak of, oh, too cool to watch this stuff anymore. But then not old enough to realise, yeah, we can watch this stuff and be proud. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, th- I remember liking both of them, but Ants was more edgy. So I'll go with that. Well, when I was... I- when I was speaking um, about this um, to Ricky, breaking the fourth wall here, um, he was saying about how actually Ants has a really underrated um, cast. And then he started reeling off an answer. I've never seen Ants. Uh, and he was saying, oh, it's class. Actually, you need to see it. It's class. It's class. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to um, give him the benefit of doubt on this one because I don't remember enjoying A Bug's Life all that much, to be honest. So mm, I might concede Ants to this one. But we really appreciate, as always, your questions, guys. So get them in. There's nothing we won't answer um, within the realms of legality, of course. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, send yeah, us your questions in or, or email in and we'll uh, we'll get the questions answered and answer the big questions in film for you. I mean, if you've got questions about anything, really, we'll we'll try and help you. If you've got like if you need help with your mortgage, we'll we'll try. I'm not saying it'll be right, but <laughs> we're not paying. We'll try. You. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, anything you've got, but thank you for what you've sent in so far. So on to our questions this week, and we'll start off with the classic. What have you watched lately? Matt. Sorry, Stu. I watched Tedit. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't want to go too much into it, because Andy, you haven't seen it yet, have you? Not yet, no. No, so we're not going to go too much into it. So just to give a taster for for a future episode, me and Stu have very differing opinions on this film. So we're going to let Andy see it, and then we'll probably thrash it out on the next question cast, maybe. But uh, I wasn't overly enamoured by it, um, if I'm perfectly honest. It didn't it didn't really hit the notes for me. Um, I think I was comparing it too much to wanting it to be as good as Inception, which it which it, it, it isn't. It really isn't. But you're basically, said, basically saying you're not intelligent enough to understand it properly. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm saying, <laughs> Stu. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, mate. Sorry, I'm not, um, me no confused. <laughs> <laughs> it's only um, um it's so about ten it's only took only took ten million in the first week in America. Really? Obviously because everything's half like, half shut down and there's like yeah. three people allowed in cinemas, but they're keeping it on for ages because obviously nothing else has been released. <laughs> you yeah. know what though, like I really sorry Andy, I really like that like they're doing tenth anniversaries, twentieth anniversaries of films in cinemas. I'm I'm almost more likely to go to cinema to see an older film in a in in that form than to go see anything new at the moment to be honest yeah it's but, that familiarity isn't it that i think yeah. you want it's that comfort blanket almost that you know you're going to enjoy it and you're not going to yeah. spend some money on something that ultimately may not be for you yeah absolutely but, apart from tenet um watched as much as there is to watch of uh, all or nothing spurs Tottenham Hotspur uh, on Amazon Prime. I mean, I absolutely love that. I just love the format of these um, behind-the-curtain documentaries about football. The Take uh, Take Us Home Leeds documentary was the first one of those that I watched and really, really enjoyed it. Um, Sunderland Till I Die is good. I don't think it's quite as good as as these two. Just mainly because in, I think in the second series, there's the first scene of the second series is there's a load of people in church praying with Sunderland <laughs> shirts on. And it was just, oh, it was so cheesy. But yeah, All Enough in Spurs is what I've watching kind of from a, from a streaming point of view. Really enjoying it. Um, yeah, so for me, I, I finished that on Monday. And I also watched, um, I don't know why. But there we go. <laughs> now, obviously, continuing on with the uh, the excellence that he's selling Sunset. That, that's, not, that's not changing. Um, 
But also inside the world's toughest prisons <laughs> on, <laughs> on on Netflix as well. It, it was one of the things where we was we just sitting there for some of the usual moaning about oh we've only got like an hour or so where we was having dinner and whatever. And I said, well, we'll just put something light on. <laughs> so looking at prisons in, in or where the prisoners rule the roost in the, in the first episode, and you got like a kind of Ross Kemp slash Daryl McIntyre kind of guy in there. Who, it's it's just ex- exactly what you'd expect for a, a program like that. Yeah. But it's actually really well made. But in proper serious things, like I mentioned to Andy, I watched Red Dawn, <laughs> which I hadn't seen for a long, long time, maybe since primary school, and quite amazed at what it holds up. I mean, that is a baffling choice. I think oh, I've got a few hours free. What shall I put on? Red Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> Red, Red Dawn about the the. Uh, World War Three being uh, averted by some American teenagers. One of one of them Christians. One of them being well, two stars of Dirty Dancing. So of course it's going to be great. Mm. But it is yeah. it's, it's incredibly violent as well. I, I can't remember much about it to be honest. It's been that long since I've seen it. Maybe it is. Do you rewatch? It might be really good for all I can remember. Yeah, if, if Cage was in it and we had to do it for this, it'd be getting top marks. Oh wow! Right, okay. <laughs> so, what about so, you, Andy? Uh, I have. Um, I've been keeping up with the boys, and I watched the first half of the last season of Lucifer. That's been my streaming. I watched a film. The only reason I watched this film is because Simon Pegg was in it, called "Kill Me Three Times," and it's like an Aussie independent film. And it's the same story told from different perspectives each time, moving on a little bit. It wasn't very good, but it's watchable mostly because Simon Pegg's in it, if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, And I also watched a film called The Velocipasta, (laughs) which is, um, it's it's basically, it's a Sharknado-esque B-movie style, where a... Uh, a pastor, oh, he's not a pastor, he's a father because he's a Catholic priest. So I don't know why he's a velo- pastor. But anyway, he goes to China. Well, that's that's the bad part about the film that you're picking up on here. Oh, no, 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 there's loads. Um, so he goes to China, but China also seems to look like the wilds of California. It's, it's the same kind of foliage that they use in, in, like, in the States. So he's clearly still in America. And he somehow gets... He gets given this uh, dinosaur tooth, which means that he changes into a velociraptor <laughs> and kills bad guys. But it's it's very much in on the joke. So there's a scene where um, at the beginning his parents die. They get murdered and um, <clears throat> their car explodes. But they didn't have the money to actually show a car exploding on screen. So they've just put up subtitles on there saying flaming car. Like, okay. So, like, if you were watching the uncut demo reel, you'd know where the effects needed to go. So it was very in-jokey. And there's a few scenes, like, where it's, I wonder what my dad would say about these things. And he has a flashback to when he's having lunch with his parents. And it's just him and his two parents sitting around for three minutes laughing. Not even telling jokes or anything. Just laughing at nothing. And it's it's really weird. But I think it was about 70 minutes long. <laughs> like it was a, a good way to spend an afternoon to be honest because it was just dumb dumb but fun um, it's free on Tubi T-U-B-I 
you would need a VPN in Europe to watch it because apparently due to GCPR or whatever it is, it's it's been geolocked. So you would need a VPN. But I'd recommend it. It was it was fun but dumb. So yeah. So on to the second question this week, which is mine. And you pair do not know what this question actually is. It's a mystery. All you know is that you've given me names of actors. And my question is, I want you to tell me something about these actors that you think is good. I don't want you to tell me a film they've been (laughs) in that was good. I want you to tell me something they do generally that is actually decent. Stu, you went for Adam Sandler and Matt, you went for Johnny Depp. I will start it off just to give you a minute or two to, to have a think about these things. I went for Vince Vaughan. I was originally going to go for Brian Singer if we were going to do directors, but I've got nothing positive to say about him. So Vince Vaughan, he <laughs> irked me. I think the first film I saw him in was Psycho, and I've never forgiven him for Psycho, to be perfectly honest. It was an absolute abortion of a film, and his portrayal of an iconic character was disgraceful. Um, but I think he plays the everyman very well. Like you, I've never seen him in anything, uh, you know, I've never seen him like a tough guy and him be like, not legitimate. I've never seen him look like a tough guy. I've never seen him look like he could be the lead in a romantic comedy, for example. So like when he was in um, The Break with Jennifer Aniston, he's not believable as that kind of a guy. But I do think when he's in an everyman sort of role, so for example, Dodgeball, he's perfectly passable. You can watch me think, oh, actually, I could almost identify with you. And I think that is one of his strengths. Also, if you look at something like uh, Fighting With My Family, he's very relatable in that. And obviously, the, the main character who, Soraya, Brittany, Paige, whatever you want to call her, she does relate to his character and he does help her through. And I think that's a good quality that he brings to his roles when he gets to play that everyman. I think if you're looking for a a modern-day poor man's version of tom hanks he's not a bad shout i'm not a massive tom hanks fan as you know but yeah i mean exactly like that when he's in uh, dodgeball couldn't be a more accurate description of what you've said because he is part of the everyman gym like whatever it's called average joe's gym um and he plays it he plays that part to a t you're absolutely right Mm. so matt Tell me something good about Johnny Depp. I mean, I'm struggling to think of anything myself. And <laughs> um, He spares us his films to go do music every now and then. <laughs> no, um, no. What, what, I, what I will say, um, when he gets a role that he is able to, like a, like a, a very character-driven role, he will throw himself two feet first into it and and perform that role and kind of live. I'm not saying method acting because you can't method act having scissor hands or, but <laughs> unless, yeah. unless he really did. And that's all he did for two years or whatever it was. But I think when he, you know, he does throw himself into roles and, and really tries to grasp what those characters would be like mannerisms and everything else. It's just not for me. I just, mm. it's just so out. I just don't, I don't, I find like the, the captain Jack Sparrow stuff unbearable to watch. Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think, though, this is an element of 
my disdain for Tim Burton as much as it is for yeah. Johnny Depp, though. And that style that really rubs me up the wrong way. Um, I might be being a little unfair, but I think one good thing I will say, he does throw himself two feet first into these character-driven roles and doesn't give a half-arsed performance, even if that performance isn't Michael Bertie. Mm. I mean, I know I've said this before about Nick Cage, but he Johnny Depp is the kind of actor who does swing for the fences. Doesn't mm-hmm. always hit it, but he does swing for it. So yeah, yeah I think I think that's a, a fair fair comment. And interestingly, if we did directors, your director was going to be Tim Burton, mm-hmm. but uh, Stu couldn't think of a director he hated, so we went with actors on this one. I actually did think of one, but it doesn't really it's not relevant because everyone hates him. It would be Uwe Boll. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine trying to think of anything positive about an Infable film, to be honest. No. Except I, I like the fact that he offered out a critic the once, and I think that critic might have been a former boxer themselves, and he was like, he soon back down. <laughs> he, he just he ruined so many good opportunities in them oh, in them game to movie things that. I mean, some of them. There was there was one that was all okay, and I can't even remember which one it was. It was the one with the dragons or something like that. But that was that was watchable. But some of the other stuff, just, just no. I mean, once we've done Nick Cage, like one of the actors I would like to do down the line is Jason Statham. Yeah. Um, and, and he's in an Uwe Boll film, and his character name is just Farmer because he couldn't even be asked <laughs> to give him a proper name. It's fucking <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so anyway, Stu, Adam Sandler. What do you like about Sandler? When he's being down to earth, so like. To say dense with, but when he's it's more like the, the, what you said about Vince Vaughn, like the everyman thing, like in Happy Gilmore and Wedding Singers and stuff like that. When he's like someone you can relate to mm. for that, they were the two that I actually do. I do like them, I, I, I don't hate I, they're quite funny. And I know he's, he cameos in a few uh Schneider, <laughs> Schneider films as well, but other than that, it's just I just don't like him, I don't know why. So he's trying to, it's just his face. It just irritates me. <laughs> but in them in them two films, I don't mind him at all. It's almost like it's not him. So mm. I think it's more of where he's actually playing someone relatable. I think that's all, that's all I can kind of think of. So it's it's the films he picks, do you think? So something like Little Nicky, where he's got to oh. be very over the top and stuff. He's almost unwatchable. But maybe something like 50 First Dates, where it's a... A middle of the road rom com is a lot more passable, would you say? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to say. Mm. Yeah, you just you just do it proper. I mean, there's what the, there is uncut gems which I need to see, which everyone raves about. Yeah, that is great. Um, but other than and that, punch when... drunk love as well. That's another. Mm. It's another drama, but with a comedic edge to it, and he's yeah. I don't hate that. I mean, I, I watch. I can't remember how I watch it, but things like Grown Ups and just look through the, the list name Grown Ups, Jack and Jill, just bollocks. Why? Yeah. No, I get you. Don't you use my mom's name in vain. Dorothy Mantooth was a hard-working single woman who raised seven children on her own, and she remained sexually active till the day she died. She brought pole dancing into the mainstream. Yes. Yeah, so my question for this. Uh, this esteemed panel this week <laughs> was what classifies a, a nostalgic film? Because I was talking about this to a couple of people the other day at work, and as we all know, they're all like eight, <laughs> relative eighteen to twenty-five year olds. 
So I mentioned Avatar, obviously, because it's great. And two of them had never even heard of it. And one of them said, oh, that old film. <laughs> I thought, it's 11 years old. It's not an old film. It's 11 years old. It came in. <laughs> I know the sequels, they're going to be in two, three years' time or whatever, and then the other four sequels after that. But that, thinking of Avatar as an old nostalgic thing, I thought, oh, actually, that's almost a third of my life. So does that count? Do you think it's it's relative to your age? So for it to be nostalgic, it has to be over 75% of your life ago. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking. Because if you look at th- things like, for me, anything before, even like you're saying things that I watched from secondary school onwards. So even like Bill and Ted is nostalgic, obviously, because that's a long time. Not the new one, obviously. Um, <laughs> but things like The Matrix, which is, again, 90s film. It's not nostalgia for it because I saw it in my like formative years. You can kind of say so. Between so anything past the age of fourteen, I'd say in them yeah. twenty the twenty years past, I'd say for me. So for that for that kind of thing, I'd say anything from the eighties or early nineties. But yeah. th- things like late nineties are not for me. No, I mean Matrix was ninety nine, wasn't it? Yeah. So. That that's too close to the modern day. It, it don't, I know it's twenty one years ago, but it does feel very modern still. And I suppose the subject matter in that case also helps it feel quite modern. I think sci fi is almost sci fi is when they're done well are almost timeless. Mm, so I know yes. something like I know Star Wars is very much it's a nostalgic classic for some, but at the same time it's still very relevant because it's still a series that's going on. Yeah, because I was thinking about. The only one I could think of that I would class as that now, and even that's pushing it a bit, is Jurassic Park. Mm. And that was done in 93, mm. 94. Oh, wow. So I saw that in primary school. And for me, that that class is as nostalgic. I think that's fair, though. Mm. I think that's fair. What about Home Alone? Would you say that? I mean, when well, I yeah, think but... back, that, that's something I love watching. That's of a, a similar age. I think it's a little bit older, isn't it, than... Um... Jurassic 19, Park, but... 1990, Home Alone oh, 2. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, no, Home does, 2 does nostalgia um, does nostalgia link to rewatchability? Then is something that's that is regularly rewatchable nostalgic just by definition? Then maybe, but you if you're linking nostalgia, it's all it's almost always things that you like. Mm-hmm. Like I can't remember things from that I went to watch that I, I've. I say Batman and Robin. It's complete nonsense, and I've, I've hated that film for so long. Mm. But I'm getting the urge to watch it now because I know how bad it is. <laughs> but I'm not uh, nostalgic for it because I just know it's shit. But again, late 90s. Do you think it's also something to do with the type of film it is? So, for example, would you feel nostalgic for The Godfather, for example? It's a classic film. It's not one I'd want to put on every week. It's something that is, I would happily watch once every few years because it is so incredible. But it's not something I think, oh, I'm looking forward to watching it. Do you think it's got to be something that you've yeah, got that? Yeah, I think you're right there. I think it's got to do with kind of, not necessarily a film that gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling, but a film that, for whatever reason, drives a certain emotion. Now, 
The Godfather is not the kind of film that you would have at a house party just due to the subject mm. matter. So he's not going to drive any, you know, it's not going to, other than the film itself, isn't going to give you any strong emotion either way. Like it's not like you've watched it and, and been scared at a house party when you've watched it and then go on and tell ghost stories like you do when you're a 13 year old <laughs> underage drinking, or it's not like you've watched it, you know, like a funny film that you've had a laugh with with your mates or your other half. So you're probably right there, actually, in terms of is nostalgia links towards a specific few genres that probably comedy you'd probably put up there um so now what do you reckon Stu? but then again you think you put things like um like you said already pulp fiction and the usual suspects where they bona fide classics forever mm. and you look back at them but again i think you you mix in rewatchability and nostalgia they they are linked in some way but not uh-huh. 100%. Because things like, I've probably ain't seen usual suspects for about 10 years, but it's not one you could watch every every week, obviously, because you, you just you just wouldn't. But again, anyway. oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember watching it the last few, I've watched it about three or four times ever, and I always remember fondly of it. And again, that's around that kind of, it's in the breaking point of, is it too old or is it not too old yet kind of thing. Mm. I think with the nostalgia as well, it has to be films that are like maybe a five, six, seven out of ten. Because anything above a seven, it wouldn't be a nostalgia classic. It would just be a bona fide classic. Yeah, because yeah. you could almost you could almost say, like, The Goonies is a classic now, obviously. Mm. But would it have been when it was released, or would it have been a bit slocky? I don't know, because I want, I want around then. Mm. No, I don't. I don't remember much. When was uh, Goonies released? Is 80s. it early eighties? I don't remember. Uh, I don't think I saw it at the cinema. So I mean, it might be older than me. I'm not hundred percent sure, but eighty-five. Okay, so I'd have been two-ish when that was released. So yeah. Yeah, I've seen it on video that one and telly mm. and stuff like that. So, so I mean, things like that that we. It's almost like if you grow up watching it, then it classes as nostalgic. Well, yeah. I mean, I'd put down a couple of points really on this. Um, if we're putting it from like a time scale point of view, anything pre-Netflix or streaming available or you're only ver- being able to watch it would have been buying it on DVD or video. I think if 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 it, if it was streamable at the time, it's not nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I, um, I think as well, if, if the film... As soon as a film has a reboot, it becomes nostalgia by by proxy because it will always be compared to the original. And if it gives you those same fuzzy feelings that the original did, and that in, by definition is nostalgia, isn't it? Because uh, yeah, does that mean that the Rami fil- Spider Man films are nostalgic now? Oh. Mm. Mm. I suppose <laughs> if you've got that feeling towards this. But no, I, I guess we, I guess what we're saying, we're getting a bit deeper. But we're 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 saying nostalgia is a good thing. Where I guess <laughs> it isn't always. I guess. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't know what I mean. Yeah, I think that is a thing with nostalgia, and I've said it before. I'm not a huge fan of nostalgia, generally speaking. I find that it it cheapens modernity almost for me. I think uh, when modern films try and play on nostalgia, that is. 
so I don't tend to go looking for that type of thing, apart from in Stranger Things, which to me seems to be the only thing that has effectively used nostalgia in the last sort of 10 years or so, personally. God, God I can't wait for the fourth series of Stranger Things. <sighs> I just want to see how Hopper's coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Sorry, spoiler alerts if uh, if you've not got there yet. Well, you've had plenty of time. You've had nothing yeah. else for the last six months of the world, have you? So. <laughs> that is very <laughs> true. <laughs> exactly. Now your dad's going for it in your own room. <laughs> Shut up, Ted. Your stepmom is cute, though. Shut up, Ted. Remember when I asked her to the prom? Shut up, Ted! Well, I guess that leads us on quite nicely to my question, the last question of the evening. Um, I want to know, what do you want rebooting? So I can give you the magic wand and uh, at a limited budget. I can have anything rebooting, but my only caveat is it can't have already have been rebooted. So it could have had sequels, but, you know, I'll, let, I'll give you the, um, I'll give you the creative license here. It can't have already have been rebooted. Uh, Stu. Oh no, this is kind of, oh no, because it hasn't technically. There was a film that came out that I was really excited for when I when I saw the trailer for it. And you think of all the stars that are in it. The um, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, yes. Okay. Two, mm-hmm. 2003, incredibly. Um, you look at the, that cast that they had and the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. And it's almost because there's... If have you... I know the the answer is probably going to be no, but if you put the order, um, eighteen eighty six on PS4, it's no, it's only about six hours long, but it was based same kind of thing, almost like steampunk alternative reality London, um, with werewolves and and vampires and stuff like that. And it was a really cool idea, mm. but again, it was badly done. And like that film, I I, I think I watched it about five years ago, and it's just shit. But the idea behind it is excellent, and with they could break it off. And I know that they kind of there was ideas behind doing the monster films and bringing them back. And did, did it even happen in the end? Did they even get anywhere near to doing that? Um, but that whole steampunk Victorian London with werewolves, monsters, creatures—it just—it was an excellent idea. Mm-hmm. But it was just really badly done at the time as well in 2003. And it's been long enough. Bring it back. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good shave because, like you said, there's um like if you've got the source material which is just excellent, that comic book series is brilliant. So th- there's enough there that they could have made a really really good film. But I think there was infighting between the director and Sean Connery, if I remember correctly. Um, but that's a good call, and that's one that I thought of. Um, annoyingly, most of the ones I've thought of have already been rebooted. So, <laughs> like Spider Man, because we don't have enough Spider Man. Um, <laughs> Now, um, I really thought of uh, Little Shop of Horrors, but that obviously the musical version was a reboot of the original version. But I think if you could have done a reboot of the original that wasn't a musical, that is just a flat out horror movie, I thought that could have been really cool. But obviously that that goes against Matt's rules. It does. Yeah. (laughs) So it's such a tough choice. I mean, there's that many films like I thought maybe New Mutants because there's something there that could have been brilliant, but really that just needs re-editing. And the same with Suicide Squad. So, but hopefully the Suicide Squad, which is due out 
soon should be a, a reboot effectively or, or replacing what's already gone on. So I, I don't quite know what I would want to be the big reboot because most of the great films that I like have already had that, that one bite of the cherry. Mm. So um, it's a tough choice. I'd quite like a nostalgia. I say nostalgia. I'd like a view of rebooting the original Superman, and not the sequel that was the Superman Returns, but a classic, clean-cut version of Clark mm-hmm. Kent, very much in the, the mould of Christopher Reeve. I'd like to see where that could go and take it further. So when you have more storylines, and it's not just about him versus Lex Luthor. We now live in an age where actually you could probably bring in someone like Brainiac. And I don't, and like the Man of Steel films, I don't see as a reboot to Superman. It's a complete different film. It's almost in a different genre now because comic book films now were a complete different beast to what they were in the 70s and 80s. So I'd probably say a classic version of Superman would be my uh, my pick for a reboot. Excellent. I thought you were going to go and attack my bow there. I thought you were going to say Transformers. Well, I mean, I did think <coughs> about it, but, uh, well, I, I don't know. Is that in the works? Because he's um, Michael Bay finally leaving. Are we going to get something else? Hopefully not. I mean, Bumblebee was kind of like a soft like soft mm. reboot, but it's still in this whole continuity, which makes no sense anyway. But it's still mm. part of that whole thing. So you, you, I, you, I did you, think... If it happens, you're going to be leaving it a good 10 years or so before uh, anything yeah, happens. I think so. I did think uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but rebooting the original so you've got people in costumes, not that CG monstrosity that was actually released as well. I thought, you know, there's something there, but I think everything where there's a good seed, they've, they've tried to reboot mm. it already. Mm. What about yourself, well, Matt? What were you thinking? Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a couple, to be fair. Um, one had already sort of been tried but canned um but that would have been the crow now i mentioned it when we did the comic book yeah. films uh, the other day i'd really like to see what they could do with the crow um with modern technology um my fear would be that they would for well for our american audience pg-13 it as mm. opposed <laughs> to give it the gritty edge that it needs really to be a to be you know as close to the source material as possible I'd love, to, I'd love to see uh, a reboot of Gremlins. Oh um, come on! Because they've spoke about doing that so many times, or at least mm-hmm. doing a third and, and completing the trilogy. I'm amazed they haven't got around to it. That's a top shape, that is. Shoot, it does what, need what, it. Give me your rebuttal. What's the, what was that out, outburst for? Just leave it alone. That, that, that one doesn't need touching whatsoever. <laughs> no, it doesn't need touch. It doesn't need to. But come on, just think what they can do now with 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 that. I love those films. And we're talking about nostalgia. It's got to be, you know, Gremlins is up there as one of the most nostalgic for me. And I'd just love to see what they could do with it going forward. And, and you know, I, I'd like... I don't, I don't think it'll work with CG there, but that, I think that's part of the charm of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, exactly that's exactly what they'd do to it. Do you think? They wouldn't do it practically. It would cost too much. Mm. Yeah, true. <clears throat> but it'd be good. I mean, it'd be nice if we could get more films with like the Jim Henson workshop involved. Yeah. So you could get those those classic sort that classic feel of having practical effects rather than it just being CG all the time. Like the um the Dark Crystal series on um, mm. Netflix. Yeah. Mm. I think um 
there's there's a real appetite for me at least to have a new a new a rebooted American Werewolf in London as well because I bloody mm. love that film and I think they could um, they could do a really really good job of of you know the effects at the time because we're so far removed from that film look pretty shambolic but speaking to people who watched that film when it came out talked about how terrifying it was and how like just unbelievable this film was to them and i'd like to see what they how they how they translated that to us in you know the modern day with modern effects as well have you seen the sequel to that in paris Paris. yeah no no, i haven't seen it no because that me and me and dean went to watch that at the cinema when obviously we were way too young to watch it when he came out and because he looked like a 40 year old man when we were 12 it was fine um (laughs) but i remember thinking that because they'd made a whole thing about the transformation scene in the first one in before that came out and if you watch the transformation scene in the paris film it's it it probably still looks it looks decent now compared Mm. to the original because they would spent a lot of money on that scene to kind of recapture it a bit. Mm. What about? I, oh, sorry, carry on, Matt. No, no, no. I was just saying. I was just thinking, thinking back. Actually, flipping the question on its head a little bit and thinking about what some of the best reboots are that they have been. Um, and for me, I can't think. I can't get, get past how good the new of the apes series is whatever that would be you know whichever whichever title of it you yeah. want to use just how good those films are they really really grabbed me when those came out because i really didn't like any of the kind of pre um rise of the planet of the apes or anything like that series yeah. it just didn't do anything for me shut your mouth i'm sorry mate it's, I... the, like, it's just the the effects on them the oh they just look, looks look terrible but i think i think this is just a a, a generational thing I mean, to be fair, I watched them. <laughs> fuck you. I watched them about five years ago. I watched the the whole um, five or six, the, the original. I, I didn't watch the Tim Burton one again because I saw it once and that was bad enough. And yeah, the effects aren't brilliant, but the storyline's good enough to pull you through. And I think that helps with it. But yeah, the the reboot is phenomenal and. I assume they're going to leave it where they are because it does now lead straight into the original setup. But I would be quite happy for them to continue that and do more films in that vein. I think it'd be really good. There's a game on PS4 and Xbox that is in the same universe if you want to carry the story on. Oh, okay. Right. It's a bit like the um, Telltale Walking Dead games. Mm. Okay. Uh, What do we think about the live action Disney remakes? Have, have we seen many of these? I mean, for myself, uh, all, yeah. so far I've seen The Lion King and Jungle Book. Those are the two I've seen. Uh, no, and I've seen Beauty and the Beast as well. Um, yeah, Be- I like Beauty and the Beast, though. I thought that was really good. Uh, yeah, it was okay. It's not my bag to begin with, but the, the, the wife loved it, thought it was fantastic. I thought The Jungle Book was up there as like one of the best reboots of a, of a source material I've ever seen. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was amazing. Mm. Really, really enjoyed it. Lion King, I'm going to really mark my name now, but I'd, I'd, I'd seen Lion King once, and I think I was about five years old, and I hadn't seen it since. So this was almost like seeing the original for me, seeing the, the live-action one. Um, it was okay. It was it didn't, it didn't really grab me, and I think, again, you want to talk nostalgia. I think that's probably why. I think it, that you'd appreciate it a lot more if you're a, a bigger fan of the, the original material. 
probably. Um, I really didn't like the Lion King remake. I thought it was terrible. I, I couldn't get over the fact that they looked like real lions, but they were talking. Like, I, I don't know who this is made for. Just, just give me the original animated film. It doesn't need this. And I think sometimes you do. They do fall down this trap of we can, so we will. I didn't think that was particularly needed. Um, Dumbo, have either of you seen the remake of that? I've heard bad things about it, but it is Tim Burton, so there's a good chance. No. The, yeah. only, the, only, ones, the only ones I've watched is Beauty and the Beast and Jungle Book. Because I don't want to watch them, there's no point. No, same. And The Lion, the Lion King especially, because I've got it on 3D Blu-ray. And converting a film from mid-90s, an animated 90s film into 3D should never work and he makes it look brand new and that's mm. good enough for me if you want to be gimmicky do that but it's just yeah. it's perfect it's perfect in every way there's no need to touch it that, that's completely fair to be honest what console was it that had that Lion King side scrolling game on was that the Mega Drive Mega Drive I think yeah, yeah I had that is that out again now another did the um, the Aladdin yeah it is yeah. I'm sure you can you can it's that's on your if you go on your or is it PlayStation exclusive again? <laughs> I think it's and, PlayStation exclusive because I bought the DuckTales one that they did with DuckTales and their two Chippendale games. Yeah. And then they did the Disney film games as well. Yeah. You just need to buy one, Matt, just join us. Um, what do we think about when films are remade for an English speaking audience? Fine. So obviously stuff like um Old Boy for example, does it need a remake? Should we just accept it in its original format? I, th- I think it's got an audience because you're not going to, not everyone is going to sit there either watching a dub or read subtitles, are they? So it's for lazy, it's for lazy people. That's what, <laughs> <laughs> it's for lazy, stupid Westerners who don't want to watch things like um, The Ring properly and mm. things like that. But again, They've got an audience, don't they? And people watch them. So, and it, there's some some things like that where, what's the uh, the re- American, or was it an English remake of the um, the bridge, the the uh, Swedish drama, the, the series that turned into the tunnel. Yes, the one with um, oh, fucking hell, the Stannis Baratheon in. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really really good series. That is, yeah. Um, I'd never known of the original. Matt, do you, if if a film gets released in English language, would you be more inclined to see it, or would you? No, I don't. I don't think does so. Does it make no. any difference? No, I don't think so. But then again, I'm I'm the kind of person who she's probably like this is probably like sacrilege here and a cardinal sin. But sometimes I'll just have a film with subtitles on anyway, just for shits and giggles. Anyway, just in case, like if so. <laughs> No, I haven't really, really don't have a problem with subtitled films anyway, and I don't want to see remakes of them. I'm glad that The Hunger Games nixed the the plans for a remake of Battle Royale, for example. Mm. Um, one of my favourite films of all time ever, Life is Beautiful. I'd hate it if they they tried to capture that as a as a remake and, and try and do it for an English-speaking audience. I think it would be awful. And, you know, things like Old Boy, if they ever... I, I don't believe they've ever tried to do Itchy the Killer or um, as, a, as a remake of that. I just... I, I, no, not for me, because they're made with the cultural impacts of the places that they're from, and you're never going to be able to um, recapture that, the original source material, in the same way that the original director would have wanted to do it in, you know, in the same in the same way. 
no, leave it alone. Come, you know, mm. do a cheap, do a cheap imitation, but don't do a remake. Have you yeah. seen the remake of Old Boy? As you've mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. It wasn't, I wasn't overly enamoured by it. No, I've, I've, like, I like Spike Lee, so, um, but I haven't seen it purely because the original's so good. I think it, it just doesn't feel like it was completely necessary in the slightest. But I have just read that our beloved Nick Cage was in a remake that we've watched already, which is City of Angels. Apparently, it's based on a 1987 German film called Wings of Desire, <laughs> which has got an 8 out of 10 on IMDb and a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, I might try and dig this film out now just to see how it stacks up against uh, those you, horrendous fucking scripts that we were made to fit should... together. Should we try and get like a list of the total or some kind of like reply total? If get enough, we'll do a bonus episode on Wings of Desire. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Well, you know, would... things that the um, like that we I mentioned at the start of when we started doing this podcast, the um, three six five gin on oh. um, Netflix, the Polish erotic drama. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You couldn't possibly remake that in any. Well, I know it's largely in English anyway, and it's kind of half and half. But you couldn't remake that, remake that anywhere. It's it's very unique in its own way. Right. Okay. And so I think sometimes it does. Like you lose, it, it you did lose. feel like old boy was very much it needed to be in Japan. It was a lot about the the culture there. So I can't imagine that was transposed very well at all. Yeah, you lo- you lose something when you when you change it around. Mm. But again, like I said. Doing that, you don't have to watch the the remake. If you want to watch it, if you want to watch the original and watch it properly, watch the, the original, watch it with subtitles. But if it makes, if it broadens the audience to people who are too lazy to do that or just don't want to do that, then I don't, I ain't got a problem with it. Well, listen, listen to this, right? About I don't want to ruin it for anybody that may go and watch it, but some of the reviews of of the remake of Old Boy, and this is my fear for any of these kind of things in the first place. One um, one review suitably grim and bloody, yet disappointingly safe and shadow um, shallow. Mm. Sorry, I should say. Um, so get you know what I mean. And then we've got another one here: the revenge in Old Boy is neither sweet nor sour; it's just drab. And I, I just don't think, I don't think directors will be able to grab the same feelings that because because foreign film is so unusual to us because the styles are so different they grab you in a different way than if 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 like a western you might want to say director does it and i just don't think that they have the same the same limitations aren't there for some foreign directors um I, just leave it alone please that's all i ask i think, I think you know, you'll you'll might see a change now with um Oh, what was he called? Parasite, Parasite winning stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which mm. I, I still haven't seen it, just because I ain't got around to it. But for that winning things, and you think, oh yeah, you people actually can watch foreign films and not yeah. be geeks about it, then mm. maybe that'll change things. Mm. I think a big issue with the, the the transposing these films from their their native to let, let's be honest, it's usually Hollywood. It's the studio interference. So, like, yeah. you know that Spike Lee is a more than competent director and mm, given yeah. the right script, he's going to make a brilliant film. So, Old Boy being moved to the States should theoretically work with the right director. True, yeah. But 
I can't imagine a studio would be happy and give him the sort of free reign needed to eat a live squid and that sort of thing and have the whole incest storyline that, that comes with it without them trying to sanitise it in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that does play a big role in it. Is yeah, Maybe now that Netflix is a bigger player in this game that they, they do seem to afford creators a bit more freedom. Maybe that might make some difference in the future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good point. I mean, I mean, why is Emmanuel not being remade? <laughs> or Confessions of a Window Make uh, Window Cleaner. Randy Robin Asquith. Yeah. Do you know what? Rand- have you ever seen a uh, Robin Asquith film, Matt? Uh, I don't believe I have. Oh, you, you're missing out. This <laughs> for our American friends. Look up the Confessions films somehow. They yeah. are. Uh... <laughs> See if you can find him there. You you, you ain't gonna get more There's British. Something... Yeah. More more 70s British than them. Mm. Confessions of a Window Cleaner is a 1974 British sex comedy film. (laughs) (laughs) They used to be called Bawdy Comedies. B-A-W-Y. Bawdy Comedies. What what am I watching here? What is this? It's a bit like, I suppose, Carry On, but taken to the next level. Mm. Almost. Scary, mate. (laughs) <laughs> I imagine they appeal to a specific kind of human being. And Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was a very thinly veiled dig, wasn't it? <laughs> I still think I've watched them all. All of the <laughs> Taxi Driver, um Driving Instructor. Or was it the same one? I can't remember, it's been a while. I'm gonna have to deep dive these now. Fucking hell. You're just listening <laughs> to fake taxi episodes, are you? <laughs> exactly. If there was no confessions film, there wouldn't be no fake taxi. <laughs> right. So that's us done for another week. You know, if I'd have thought about this before, for the next one, for the picture pod, we should have just gone straight into the cage remade films like Wicker Man and whatnot. But I didn't think about it. So what we're watching <laughs> next week is going to be Snake Eyes and Eight Millimeter. I've watched these already, gentlemen, and I think it'll be an interesting conversation when we meet up next time to discuss this. I've already got my opinions of what Stu's <laughs> going to say. Matt, I'm, I'm 50-50 on, if I'm honest. So, yep, that's the next picture pod. It's going to be Snake Eyes and 8mm. So, for this week, Stu, would you like to say goodbye? I'm actually kind of... I don't know which way you predicted it, but is it going to spoil that? I like one and not so much like the other, so... I'll just, I'll just leave it there. Leave it on a cliffhanger. Okay. Goodbye. Okay. Intriguing. And Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, guys. Stay safe as always. And from me, it's goodbye. And remember, be excellent to each other. <laughs>